Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Happy New Year. Coast to Coast Podcast coming at you. I am Joey Powell for InsideCarolina.com. All right. Yes, it is a New Year's. First time we've done a Coast to Coast in 2024 so happy to be here joey powell with me as always from mcmillan sean moran brought to you by johnny t-shirt and our friends over at congruity we'll talk a little bit about both of those fine entities a little bit later on but since we have come to you on this here coast to coast podcast the north carolina tar heels have strung together four count them four wins and i think that's what we're going to do tonight with the show is talk about this four win stretch uh we, we've got you know tommy and and his guest hosts are doing a great job with the post game. Uh, Joel is doing his thing uh, with with um, with Vip, and John is doing his thing with Justin Jackson. We're going to try to step back and look at this last four week stretch or this four game stretch as a group and talk about it that way. Uh, I think those guys are doing a good job of breaking down games and and you know previews. So that being said, since we were last with you, fine folks, uh, North Carolina has won two games over top twenty five teams including one blowout at home uh, against a, a not great Charleston Southern opponent to use uh, Rell's favorite Roy Williamsism. North Carolina was just a lot more gifted. Um, and they've also got two ACC road wins so far. I know when folks looked at the schedule, the three of us included, we talked about what an absolute just meat grinder it was going to be getting to mid-January for this squad. Well, here we sit uh, as we record this on the 7th. Uh, the Tar Heels have won their first three conference games and two of those being on the road with their upcoming game at NC State this coming week. So, guys, 4-0 wins over Oklahoma, Charleston Southern, Pitt, and now Clemson. I'm going to ask you first, Sean, what is the most remarkable thing to you out of this four-game stretch? I think the most remarkable thing is um, winning – two of the ACC games on the road, not playing great offensively, uh, but from a defensive standpoint, uh, you know, really, I think turning, turning the corner, uh, making, making some changes. And when the ball is not going through the net or there's slow offensive stretches, they've been able to pull out uh, two road wins, Pittsburgh, uh, 
probably not a tournament team, but obviously they've given UNC a, a tough, tough time over the past few years and, and Clemson uh, top 25, which should be a, a tournament team. So I think that's probably uh, we've talked about the offense and really mostly we focus on the offense and how that looks different from last year and, and what the new additions, how that has changed up the offense. But as things have gotten bogged down a little bit over the, the past week, uh, the defense has stepped up and they've been able to get get two wins that last year uh, easily could have been 0-2 to start the year. Sherelle, hit me with some defensive stats. I know you've got some some uh, some Ken Palm juiciness right there right, waiting for us. So since, since Sean's already taken us to the, the defensive statistics, uh, you had some real nice little nuggets that I, I saw before we got online tonight. Do you want to do you want to dive into that a little bit? Yeah, you know, to answer the question, I think uh, my biggest thing is that they're winning kind of in different ways in different places. So if you go back to the Kentucky game, obviously that was on a neutral core in Atlanta. There were 81 possessions in that game. And since then, the possessions each game have gone down, uh, you know, so it was 75 against Oklahoma, 72 against Charleston Southern, 68 against Pittsburgh and down to 62 against Clemson. Now, when you get, you know, down towards 62, usually that's UVA. Uh, I went back and looked. Iowa. I kept years. thinking Iowa. I'm sorry to interrupt well, you. Uh, the whole time we're watching, I'm thinking like this is this is Sean's worst nightmare because it feels like an Iowa game. Go ahead. Well, one of the games that Carolina had 62 or fewer possessions in the last 10 years was that blowout loss at Iowa a few years back. So, um, but I was going to say, most of them is usually Virginia, you know, and that's kind of what you expect from them. But as the ACC has incorporated more teams and there's been new styles of play, uh, the game has just slowed down tremendously. And so you're getting conference games now. You know, if you get to 70 possessions, you probably, probably feel good about yourself uh, that you sped the tempo up. Against Clemson, it, it was it was almost like a football game where, you, all right, you get two possessions per half. Like each each drive is 17 plays, and you're just going to walk it up the field, three <laughs> yards in a cloud of dust. That's kind of what it felt like. And it was interesting to see Carolina, considering their size, um, uh, deficit against Pittsburgh and against Clemson, and to some degree against Oklahoma, size and athletic uh, athleticism deficit, uh, be able to to kind of grind with those guys and find ways to not only stop them, to not only rebound, but to score as well. I know they only put up 65 uh, against Clemson. I think it was like 70 against Pittsburgh, um, but they did enough offensively, um, and they got to the free throw line against uh, Pittsburgh. It, it, it was kind of shaky there for a minute because Pittsburgh fouls a lot. Um, but they were able to get to the free throw line. So to me, the fact that they're able to win or, or play well, I would say, um, in, in different styles. Against Kentucky, obviously they lost the game, but they played with Kentucky in a high-tempo, lots-of-possession games. Uh, I think it was 81, like I said. And then, you know, you go against Clemson, it's 19 fewer possessions on the road, and you still come out with a double-digit win. That says to me that the defense has improved. Uh, yes, there's some variance because of the three-point shooting from other teams, but the defense has improved. and. Honestly, we, we wondered aloud on this very podcast about a month yes. ago. Like the question was, can the defense improve? And I said, well, probably not. The offense needs to, to home, and that's how the defense is going to improve. And here we are a month later, and the defense looks better. Sherelle, Sherelle brought up the Kentucky game. And I think in that game, UNC was trailing throughout the entirety of the game. Uh, they fought to get back at halftime, they fought to get back towards the end of the game. But I mean, even going back to Oklahoma, UNC controlled controlled that game. Um, and then Pittsburgh, I think the the three at the end of the half and then getting up six early, uh, just giving that kind of, con you know, controlling controlling the game. 
uh, and then even Clemson uh, being able to to get up a few points towards the end. So I think UNC was able to really control those games, even though they, uh, you know, there were times where they didn't have the lead or were down uh, two possessions or so. But for the most part, they never got it, let it get out of hand, and they were able to, I think, really have that upper upper hand uh, throughout most of those those two matchups. And a part of that, I think, is you're seeing the experience from the team. Um, I think can't think how many times over the last three years where you're like, man, if they could have just hit one more three or if they could have got to the line in this possession, that seven point lead would go to 10. And when the other team in- inevitably goes on a six nothing run, you're still up four. You, you yeah. talked about it <laughs> ad nauseum, Sean. And I think you saw that uh, there was uh, against Clemson since that's the most recent game. I, I, we're all going to go back to the same thing. There's three threes that, that just stick out. It was, um, uh, I think Clemson had finally hit their first three and taken a lead. Harris yes. Ingram comes right back down the court, hits a three. I don't think Carolina trailed again after that. Um, there's possession. There's possession where I think they were up three, and or as maybe it was tied. And Paxson Wojcik <laughs> hits a three, um, inexplicably didn't see it coming. And Yolo. then the next, then the next, I think it was the next possession from about the same spot. Seth Trimble hits a three. So you're seeing a response that I think hasn't been there in previous years from UNC. And you can equate that to a lot of things, but one of the things that we heard all offseason, and we I questioned it, was that, oh, this team is together. This team believes in each other and, you know, all, all the cliche stuff that uh, people are wanting to put out before the season. And I think we said, well, let's see what happens when adversity hits. And adversity has hit them several times in, in the second half of games. And I feel like they've done a pretty good job of, of punching back. It hasn't always led to a win. Um, but I think that is a, a welcome change from the last couple of years. Yeah, I want to I want to dig in here for a little bit. Uh, we'll go back and talk about the defense because I do think there's some there's some defensive discussion to, to be had. This and use the word togetherness, Sherell. I, I I said on social the other day, I uh, I'd keep coming back to the word moxie for this team, um, and and I don't know. I feel like there's a better one out there. I don't know what it is, but this is absolutely a group that if they get kind of on uneven footing it doesn't get away from them and, and you know you made the point too where even if they're ahead it's one of those deals where all of the guys both uh, both collectively and as individuals can step in and do things that can kind of turn the tide and, and kind of re I guess reassure all of them but also reassure the people watching the game and, and I see subscribers and fans and everybody that no nah, we're okay um, think about the way that Pittsburgh game started where North Carolina didn't score for a month of Sundays, it seemed like. They finally did get a bucket, and they were only down, what, six or something like that? And, and I think about, you know, there have been times in the not-so-recent past where this team would get behind and go on these six- to ten-minute scoring droughts, and it was over. There was no way they were going to come back, regardless of who was hitting, regardless of how many stops they needed or whatever. And, and every time this team has faced the adversity that you mentioned, Sherell, this season they've been able to, you know, kind of reflip themselves pretty quickly, get a basket back, or get the stop that they needed before you even realize it. And it's like, oh, it never, it never got closer than three when, when Pitt came back the other night. Um, it's, it's one of those situations that I think fans are starting to see and, and maybe – Maybe people aren't really ready to buy in yet. You know, maybe football season scarred people really bad, but I do think people are starting to to see and appreciate again what I'm calling moxie that this team has as individual players, but as a group. Well, think about it. it, it there's a lot of scar tissue 
around in general for everyone so for the fans it's their scar tissue from the last couple of years of like you know outside of that that 21 great game stretch like carolina doesn't win big games carolina doesn't beat highly ranked teams on the road carolina doesn't beat highly ranked teams at home uh carolina doesn't beat highly ranked teams on neutral courts there's all that and then i think from uh the players on this team there's the scar tissue from the situations they were in we talked all offseason about you know all of them came from losing situations pretty much last year. Even the Carolina guys, despite them winning 20 games, it still was very much a losing situation relative to expectation. So, you know, you can, when you're down one against Clemson, you can look down at your arm and like, man, you know, we were down 17 at Syracuse last year. You can, you can look over here for those listening. I'm just looking at my body. You can look at your leg and see the scar from, uh, I don't know, the, the NC state game where, you let them get out to a 29 to 12 lead or whatever it may be. You have that in your memory and say, you know, not, not this time. And I think, again, I think that's invaluable. I, I thought it would be more valuable to the team last year with all the experience they had, but you, you're seeing between Ingram, Ingram and Ryan, they definitely have unlocked kind of a feistiness that wasn't there in, in previous incarnations of this UNC team. I think RJ Davis and, and Baycott, while they have grown in leadership, some um, they've never been kind of the outspoken, um, leaders of the team that their play has kind of spoken for them and they've pretty much remained the same in that aspect obviously rj um has gotten better from a scoring perspective but bringing in ingram and ryan has really turned i think the team and i probably will too we're not in practice so we don't see it but those guys have definitely changed the tenor of how the team acts how they respond um really just the emotion and you know hebert davis has said it for a while that like you know he's as fiery as anybody so Maybe he's finally found the right combination of guys to mix with RJ and, and Baycott for all, them all to uh, kind of unleash them, their best selves. Well, and it's, it's the old adage of, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. Now the burden is not so heavy on those two guys that you mentioned in Baycott and, uh, and RJ Davis. Uh, but also it's, it's been able to free the younger guys. I mean, think about Paxson Wojcik, who isn't getting a ton of playing time, but goes in there and pulls like he's got the greenest of green lights. And hits it confidently. And even if he missed, as he has in a couple of games recently, he's still got the green light and he still has the confidence. More importantly, Huber Davis has, to your point that you've mentioned a thousand times in the past two years, Shrill, Huber Davis has the trust in him for him to continue to take that shot. I want to go back to defense a little bit. Sean, you, you hit on this a, a little bit ago. I kind of had this, you know, kind of scratching my head, you know, the the old baboon is sitting out in the 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 little clearing there at the the zoo and he's scratched himself on the head and looks like he's looks like he's got this really really just astute idea that he wants to share with the entire you know the entire pod i had one at the end of this clemson game i'm thinking is this a defensive team now because what we've seen and again with with sherelle's um with sherelle's deficiency numbers conference only it's a small sample size but at no point in the last few years ever could you have said anything about North Carolina being a good defensive team in conference play? I don't think. Um, I know Sherelle had the one number that 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 kept jumping out that he reiterated a bunch last year about you know North Carolina's conference only um, <laughs> deficiency, but I mean like with the eye test right now, I feel like this is a team that can get stops when they need to, and and can even if they bobble a little bit on the offense, they're able to kind of slowly and steadily kind of mash teams out. What happened to P.J. Hall? Is that a sign of North Carolina's defense, Sean? Yes, yes and no. Um, I kind of chuckled when I saw 
saw your tweet on on Saturday and and thinking about that because I feel there have been times over the past two years where maybe there's been a a stretch of a week or two and they they've looked good and have they turned the corner and then all of a sudden that next game uh, they just get obliterated which could easily happen at at NC State I think look the the big number we always talk mostly about UNC's three point how how many are they making what's their percentage um, from from the last two games, six of 47. I mean, that, that's just an ungodly number that the opponents have have shot from three. And I think part of it is making them uncomfortable. I uh, didn't mind PJ Hall continuing to to launch from from outside, even though he came in with a with a good percentage. Um, Pull. <laughs> I mean, same with same with Henson uh earlier in the week and and he's a 40 40 shooter even though he's he struggled the last last two games so i think uh you know really getting away from the switching one through four uh i think has been talked about on the message boards i think it has made them sharper more focused on hey this is your man you need to get through the screen or you need to find a way to to battle through if not uh you know there is somebody for help side i think sometimes there's still been um a few maybe t- too easy of baskets that have gotten to the rim where you think there's going to be some rim protection. But I think for the most part, the team is uh, playing as a really as a fist and there's less open shots when you think you're just naturally relying on somebody, somebody to switch, especially early on team, you know, UNC was forcing teams late into the shot clock um, to take, to take shots, which you think is a good thing. And I think it is, but at the same time, they're probably getting the mismatches down low or the, the guys popping open for, for wide open three. So do I think the six for 47 is going to stay? I, I definitely, definitely don't. Uh, but at the same time, I think uh, they, they have improved their three point defense. They have improved their, their overall defense and, and toughness. Uh, but I still think that offense is going to have to rise because you've talked about what the defense looks like in ACC play and, it looks like a traditional uh, UVA team, right? Of uh, being being at the top, all the metrics. Once again, it's only a, a handful of games, and then offensively is just the the flip side. But I think they've there's not really, um, you know, in terms of the getting people in the pick and roll of creating huge huge mismatches. Obviously, teams will try to get the smaller guards in the post. But I think with how they've been been talking, communicating, and and getting through screens, it's made made things a lot tougher in general um, over the past past few weeks. Sherelle, I, I hear Sean say the offense needs to get it together. I don't disagree at all. Are you worried about the offense? Do you feel like that's something that can come together based on the bodies that are on this roster? Yeah, I do. Th- I, I have, let's put it this way, for the remaining 17 games in the regular season, I have more faith that the offense will be, you know, one of the top units in the league than the defense. And that's not to take away what they've done over the last, you know, couple of weeks defensively, but I just, I'm just not ready, quite ready to buy into it yet because of um, some of the issues that we saw earlier in the season. Could they be fixed? Absolutely. Um, But it's just, it's hard to tell until you see them really play against, continue to play and continue to do it over and over and over against, you know, kind of top competition. You know, NC State is is a pretty solid offensive team. They've got uh, guards who can really shoot it and they have a big man who we know um, can get down low and kind of score with the best of them, even if he's not, you know, that fleet of foot. So, um, 
I, I, I'm withholding judgment. It's a positive sign, but I'm not quite ready to buy in and say, you know, this this UNC team is a defensive juggernaut just yet. I think it's much more likely that, you know, if we come back in a month, we're saying, wow, you know, Cadeau really kind of woke up and is, is able to do more things and the offense is humming, then, it, wow, North Carolina has locked down, locked down, you know, 10 straight opponents or something like that. So we'll, we'll see, but um, it's good that they improved because it was needed. Sounds like the delegate from Hope Fields will actually abstain from voting in this particular uh, this particular issue, but I, I appreciate the insight. Well, okay, okay, I'll give my vote. I, I will say no, this is not a, a defensive team. All right, that's fair. On the enough. record. Uh, on the record. And that's not to say that Sherelle thinks his defense is bad before anybody blows him up. He thinks that the offense will be better than the defense will be as far as conference rankings. Is that, does that sound right, Sherelle? Am I, am I jumping in front of the shrapnel for you before you get it? No, that's perfect. That's, that's exactly, right. that's, that's a fair representation. <laughs> um, one of the things that I think is is paramount for this team is Hubert Davis has continued to use his bench. Uh, and I think what we've started to see is that he's relying on his bench a little bit. Uh, and we want you guys to rely on Johnny T-Shirt. Um, Johnny T-Shirt, the preeminent, uh, the preeminent haberdasher and provider of UNC gear, memorabilia, and all that you need for the Inside Carolina Universe. Johnny T-Shirt. Right there on East Franklin Street and johnnytshirt.com. All right, so we all had the holidays. You know, you may have great gift givers in your family. If you do, man, rock out. Love it. Get it how you live. I'm happy for you. You got people that might not be the best gift giver. Go ahead and hit up Johnny T-Shirt. Get what it was that you wanted that you did not get. Johnny T-Shirt can take care of you. Uh, you use that extra 10% off you get on the Inside Carolina Premium Message Boards. Type that code in. Save you some money at the at the checkout. You'll be happy you did. You'll get the stuff that you were hoping to get, but maybe didn't. And God bless whoever didn't get you what you needed. Y- you were good enough. We saw you. You you were a, you were a fair fair gift recipient. They just they missed the boat, and that's okay. Johnny T-shirt will pick up the slack, just like Hubert Davis's bench will. We'll be right back to uh, talk a little bit more about this four game stretch, and then we'll talk a little bit of recruiting before we get out of here on this edition of the Coast to Coast Podcast on InsideCarolina.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Appreciate y'all sticking around. I'm Joey Powell, Sharon McMillan, Sean Moran with us, bringing the heat that they always bring, despite how cold it might be in your little corner of the globe. Uh, talking about this four-game stretch that the Tar Heels are on since we last did a show, and it's been four wins. We've talked a little bit about uh, the defense that's been a little improved. We've talked a little bit about the offense doing just enough. I led, you know, doing a Johnny T-shirt hit, uh, talking about the bench. I'm still shocked to see Hubert Davis playing eight, nine, ten guys, and everybody that played in the last game against Clemson scored, I believe. That's something that's going to really do wonders uh, for this team down the stretch and for the program. We've talked about in the past that maybe the program hasn't been able to develop guys, and you saw guys transfer out because of that. Um, but I think having the ability to deploy different players has been able to cover some weaknesses and improve some things that Hubert Davis has been targeting, specifically the rebounding issues. Uh, we heard after the loss uh, against Kentucky and against UConn just how frustrated he was uh, in post game and then his you know his media avails during the week. He was not happy with how this North Carolina team was rebounding, and the North Carolina program has historically been just tenacious rebounders that triggered extra possessions, that triggered extra scoring, all that stuff. Hubert Davis wasn't happy about it. It seems like those things have been fixed, and I'm pointing to the fact that. They may have lost the rebounding battle against Oklahoma by a little bit, but they had a fair amount of second chance points. And then against Pittsburgh and Clemson, who until these games were the top rebounding teams, or at least two of the top rebounding teams in the league, uh, North Carolina absolutely waxed them both on the glass and in their second chance points. That helps an offense when you can get those putbacks. Sherelle, do you feel like using the bench has been able to cover that a little bit and, and having guys like Jalen Withers, Jalen Washington, and even Seth Trimble, who's, who's been a decent rebounder from the guard spot, do you think that's been able to to cover some of it, or do you think it's also just guys recognizing that, all right, if I don't get to the to the class, we're, we're going to lose? Yeah, I, I think it's recognizing it. I think it's how Hubert Davis has, you know, Tommy, Tommy Ashley, our, uh, your, your esteemed co-host for everything, his favorite thing is you you are what you allow. And if you allow teams to out-rebound you and you allow your team to not rebound well, then that's where they're going to they're gonna get out-rebounded. But if you dedicate your time and practice and say this is important to us and it's important that uh, we do this, then more than likely the, the kids will respond and they'll rebound. And I think, you know, not to turn this into a history lesson or, or you know, become old cliche guy who's watched Carolina basketball for 35 years or whatever it is, but – um, with Coach Smith and with Coach Guthridge and with Coach Williams, you always knew that there was going to come a time when someone from the bench was going to have to make a, a big play. Um, they were, you weren't sure what it was, if it was going to be a rebound, if it was going to be you know, Jackson Simmons at Florida State scoring eight points on layups or Byron Sanders and, and Quentin Thomas combining for eight points uh, at, at Duke in a, in a pivotal matchup. Both of those things actually happened. Uh, but you never knew. But it was always like make sure that they were comfortable enough that if they were in position to make plays that, you know, they they had experience doing that. And I think what we're seeing from UNC the last few weeks is more of these team type wins is what you would call them. Very uh, Coach Smithian in that, you know, one through nine, one through ten. It might not be points. It might be rebounds. It might be diving on the floor. It might be saving a possession. But they're all doing something to impact winning. And I know. Sometimes that can be hard to measure if it's not in a in a you know uh, scores box. It's not in the stat sheet. It's not in a you know advanced model plus metric or whatever. Um, but they're all doing something, and I think that that's a big deal because it 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 gains more trust, as you said, 
um, from Hebrew Davis to go to Paxton Wojcik for six minutes in the second half and say, I need you to to cover number zero. And if you're open, please knock down a shot. He He's seen it before. So he said, OK, you, you can do it. Um, and I think that's emboldened Seth Trimble as well um, to, to really play at, at a high level, to, to really be a de facto six starter for UNC, considering some of the foul trouble that Elliot Cadeau um, has had the last couple of weeks. So, yes, using the bench has has helped things a, a, a ton, I think. And I think it, it really has shown growth from Hebert Davis and also um, kind of uh, how he feels about his roster relative to, to other years. On the rebounding thing, I'll let Sean take most of that. But I think a large part of it is that Armando Baycott is kind of back to being um, the trash man. It, it's, it's something we always go back to uh, from the start of his senior year where, you know, Hebert Davis is like, you're, you're a trash man, be a, be a garbage man, which is just go muck it up, grab rebounds and score when they get you the ball. And I think that's what you're seeing more from him in the last couple of games. So couple him rebounding the way he's supposed to with kind of the fight that they've shown. And I think that's why you're seeing uh, rebounding improved the last, you know, two or three weeks. I think two two quick things on that. One, just in terms of the the rebounding, I think when you're not switching one through four, that just makes it easier uh, on the defensive end to be able to box out your man versus trying to pick up somebody as they're they're coming running in the lane or or turning around and and the ball bounces a little farther off and you're out of position. So I think that also uh, just helps people feel a little more comfortable. Not to mention, you add that with uh, the mantra to rebound, and you saw what happened against Pittsburgh. Of you had to maybe double take a look at the scoreboard and see that, or the the box score, and see that Armando did not lead the team in defensive rebounding, and it was it was Harrison Ingram against Pittsburgh, and this was a guy who was really struggling uh, from the field, two of fourteen, but here he is getting ten defensive rebounds, and then you add Cormac Ryan. Uh, and Seth Trimble getting, I believe, 10 uh, combined between the two of them. That changed up a little bit against Clemson, but then you had R.J. Davis getting getting four and Armando cleaning cleaning the glass. Now, that was against a smaller uh, smaller team for the most part. So I think uh, you know when they when they do play either a little more athletic or some some bigger teams, we'll see we'll see how they do. But I think that that is a focus that they'll need to continue um, moving forward. Something I see when you guys talk about both of those things, and it's something that we've lamented on this show over the last couple of years, especially when the, the, the times were lean. I see a team right now that knows what is expected of them, and that is not just players. That is coaching, communicating those expectations. Cheryl gave a great example of Paxson Wojcik a second ago. Uh, Sean, your, uh, you know, your use of, of um, Harrison Ingram's numbers to illuminate that point I think is another good example of guys knowing that, all right, I'm not scoring, but I'm expected to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to go do X, Y, and Z. I go back to Zayden High in the Charleston Southern game where he got a tech, but it's because he was in there trying to get in somebody's head with energy, right? So now you know when they put Zayden High in the ball game, he may pick up three fouls like he did against Clemson, but he's going to give you energy and he's going to be involved in the game. And I think the ninth guy off of North Carolina's bench in the last couple of years has not been giving energy or at least was not in a situation that uh, he knew he was supposed to give energy or maybe that the staff had communicated to him. Shrill. I would say, yeah, he, that guy seemed kind of scared when he would come into the game. Like, oh, no, if I mess up, I'm, yeah. I'm out. Quick, it was a quick yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so not related to the bench, I wanted to ask you, since we talked about Harrison Ingram, Sean mentioned it. I think he had it was 17 rebounds or was it 15? Um, 15, I think. 
I think it was the most most by a wing since Harrison Barnes or, or something like that. Um, was that was that his most impressive performance at Carolina, all things considered? Because I felt like I, I told someone close to him this. I felt like he kind of dominated the game, even though he was god awful. And he field. didn't score. Well, I, yeah, I so think like, the thing is, too, is that it's I think, yes. And I think it's also because if he's getting those rebounds, literally, statistically, that's almost making up for the missed shots, right? Like, if you're going to go miss 10 shots, but you're getting 10 rebounds, essentially you're a net, you're a net zero. And Sherell, what's your favorite thing? Don't hurt the team while you're out there. At least be a, be a net neutral. And so if you're getting that many rebounds uh, on the defensive glass, you're at least giving the same amount of possessions that you might be getting when you're missing a jump shot. Sean, tell me that I'm, I'm being a knuckle-dragger and I'm oversimplifying that stats are a lot more deep than that. No, well, I, I think for, for Ingram, it's a, it's a great question because I think – you're seeing him contribute in different ways, both offensively and defensively. But at the same time, is it concerning the sh- what we've seen shooting wise? Obviously, he hit that big three, uh, as Sheryl mentioned, probably one of the biggest shots of the game where Clemson had taken the lead and he comes down. And, uh, you know, I was talking to Sheryl and Ben, and what he was saying afterwards as he was running down the court is, is not something you probably expect from from Ingram. Uh, but obviously he was, he was pumped up in, in doing that. But uh, you know, we look, that was a big thing talking about Ingram over the summer uh, when they're looking at him in the portal, when they signed him was, you know, are his Stanford numbers, can they be better than, can they be better than that? Is he better than that? And I think uh, throughout most of the year, he's, he's proven that resoundingly. Yes. Uh, but it, you know, it's interesting. You look at his stats and right now he's still at 43% from, from three, but, you look at, um, you know, the ACC, once again, only three games, and he's he's struggled in, in that. So I, I think that is an area, not of concern, but things to, to watch going forward offensively. Can he, doesn't have to get B20 and 10, but can he be a consistent shot maker and, and score um, throughout ACC play? And I think avoid some of these under 40% nine points, 10 points, maybe some of these Stanford stats that he had. So I think it's great that he's mixing everything together. And I think, Joey, to your point, he is being a plus. Um, but as the competition continues to ramp up um, offensively, shooting and putting the ball in the basket is going to have to um, continue to to peak upwards. Uh, we, we have a side chat. And uh, I just said something to Joey, and he, he made a reference kind of to Pedro Soriano in the Major League. For those of you who are like 40 and under, I know that means nothing to you. Um, but for everyone else, that's kind of where Harrison Ingram is becoming in that, you know, I think RJ Davis is kind of the clear, I guess, closer for UNC. But Ingram already has kind of shown a knack for for hitting big shots. You know, just in the last four games, which is what we're talking about, if you look at the Oklahoma game, he kind of had that that runner as the shot clock expired to, to seal that game when Oklahoma looked like it was making a run yep. um, <clears throat> against Pittsburgh. He had, um, I think it was the layup. It might have been his first field goal uh, where he caught the rebound, went coast to coast, and I think that put UNC up like six or eight, and you felt like that might have might have been it. Um, against uh, Clemson, uh, his first three, uh, UNC was down 24-21. That tied the game in the first half. And then the second three, like we've talked about, um, was right after Clemson took a lead and hit its first three of the game, and UNC didn't trail again after that. So he's he's showing a knack for for making really important buckets. Uh, there was the one, the uh, clear out on the right side where he 
had the ball top of the key and just kind of drove to the to the baseline, hesitated, and it was a very old man looking move, but he hesitated and put it off the glass. Um, so such a grown man I, shot. Yeah, for sure. I, so I think that's a, another thing uh, that's developing in that his confidence, I don't think, is going to get shot. And we've seen that over the last three years at UNC where players, if they miss, you know, some players, if they miss five or 10 or 15 shots, they'll they'll stop shooting and they'll kind of go in the corner and just, you know, Disappear. stand there and not really do anything and, and not impact the game in other ways. But yeah. Ingram has shown that if he's making shots, he's going to rebound. If he's missing shots, he's going to rebound. And if he's missing shots, he's still going to try and take those important ones uh, towards the end of the game. So I think that's a, a good sign that they have someone that he can go to uh, aside from R.J. Davis in those final seconds to, to get a good shot. To use one of your your uh, your favorite cliches, Shreel, that all that stuff travels. Um, all that stuff that Harrison Ingram does travels regardless of uh, of how the team's playing, what environment you're in, what's actually happening in the flow of the game. All that stuff matters. All right, last question. We'll talk a, bit, a little bit of recruiting, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap up for the evening. Uh, Sean, I love putting you on the spot with these questions. Um, I can almost feel your angst because you don't know they're coming. So uh, this is me being a, a little bit of a, a little bit of an ish disturber, I guess. Can't wait. What do you th- What do you think the ceiling this the ceiling is for this team now? Um, you know, they're they're we're through the first full week of January. Um, you got a handful of uh, of conference games under your belt. Some against decent teams. Some against not decent teams. Um, what do you think the ceiling is for this team right now? Three losses as of the the seventh of January. Good question. Um, I think it went to my earlier comment of calling Pitt a non-tournament team and and Clemson a, a pseudo top top twenty-five team. Even even Oklahoma will be interesting to see where they finish out in Big Twelve. They did just get a good win against Iowa State. Um, so I, you know they're they're playing they're playing well. Uh, I think at, at this time last year <laughs> the, the alarm bells were had been going off for for a while. <laughs> they were broken. But, um so i want to say hey they're a they're a championship winning team they're not they're not that yet um could they be i think if if they're all clicking on on all the right cylinders uh but right now they're kind of i'd say in that three to five seed that's that's how they're they're playing uh they're getting the wins but once again going back offensively those per possession numbers have not been not been great when they're playing outside of that Tennessee game, uh, when they're playing stepped up competition, obviously they're not in that top tier yet. Uh, you know, playing that UConn game and even Kentucky, uh, just from a, a talent and athleticism standpoint. So I think the the ceiling, they haven't hit the ceiling by any means yet. Uh, cause people are still, I think, uh, you know, RJ has been playing at a consistently high, high level and it's been amazing, amazing to watch, but I think you still have Cormac, um, who has some room, especially, uh, outside shooting wise and the younger guys have, have played well but i think there's still growth in in their games as well so I, I think there's there's still a lot of um potential with this team and that's why it's great that they've gotten the two wins but i think for you know one part of me said hey you know let's just be realistic it's a team trying to figure itself out from last year and you know just keep keep stacking the wins on um, the other part hey this is carolina they need to be in that upper tier and they're not there yet. Um, but I think it's much better than splitting those one, one, hopefully they can get NC state. So from a potential standpoint and ceiling standpoint, they're still, you know, I think kind of on that two to three, three line is that 
ceiling um and there's some room to continue to grow right now Sherelle, is it as simple as as seeing the team that we saw in the first half against tennessee is it as simple as finding more consistencies throughout the the lineup for points or you know can they if they continue to be a a more defensive minded and and a rebounding greedy team do you, do you think that they can kind of play some bully ball and, and get, get their way any, any either way what do you think that does for their ceiling yeah I, I think they've shown that they are able to find ways to win and honestly this sounds weird but also find ways not to lose and i think too often um in heber davis's first two years carolina found ways to lose whether it was yes. you know leaving jeremy roach wide open for a layup in consecutive games against duke um kind of the same exact situation or or you know, not getting a shot off <clears throat> in certain situations um, or, or not getting a great shot off in, in certain situations, you know, losing five, you know, six point leads at the under four timeout, those kind of things. I think this team is, is pretty resistant to those. So I think they have a higher floor. The the ceiling may not be quite as high. Um, and I'm, I, I say that only probably because of reflexive we talked about scar tissue earlier. Scar tissue, bro. It's, it's fine. Yeah, it's just it's it's hard to to wash out those last three years, save the, that that twenty two game run, and think okay, Carolina is back to where it was, you know, in, yeah. in 2018, 20, 2019, around that time. Um, so I, I think it's I think the fan base is excited. If again, I can play psychologist, but there is a a lot of wait and see, like before they fully fully jump on board. I think they're they're kind of yeah. on board, but they're not all the way in just because. Every time, you know, the last three years, it seems like you you get all the way in, it, it, it goes the other way. Um, and I think that's why this team is a little bit different uh, because I don't, I don't think they're going to just kind of lose a lot of games. I think there'll be games um, where they might not have the most points, but I don't think you'll see them self-sabotage almost like, like yeah. it's happened in the past. And there is a marked difference. I want folks to hear what you're saying here. There's a marked difference between winning games and not losing games good teams find ways to avoid losing games, right? And that's that's the difference. Um, looking forward to this coming week before we talk recruiting, I do wonder how things might go with Marcus Page returning to uh, PNC Arena. Just wonder if there might be some some juju around that. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. It's uh, been a decade. Sean, it's been it, a decade. it has been. That's why. It's been a minute. And I, 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 I refuse to acknowledge. Sean, what's up? So just stay staying on that that last topic for for either of you guys is there, is there anything in particular that could could raise a ceiling that you could point to or that you have in in your minds right now? I mean, I, I don't want to single anybody out, but I, I think you know as Elliot Cadeau continues to grow as a point guard, um, if he's able to shoot thirty two percent from three, if he if he can go one for three kind of every game or, or two for seven or something like that. I think that'll, that'll do a ton. And then defensively, he, he's got to be better as well. So I think, I, I just think his improvement throughout the year, I mean, he, again, he's only played in 14 college games, so you can't yeah. expect so much, but if he can get closer to being the player that I think he was for, for stretches against Tennessee and in other games, then I, I think that raises the ceiling considerably because right now, Seth Trimble is kind of giving you what you thought you got from Cadeau. So if if you can add Cadeau to what Trimble's already doing, then you know you have another guard and you have just more effectiveness both offensively and defensively. Yeah, I, uh, just one quick, quick thing, Joey. I think um, 
from from Cato from Cadeau's perspective, you know, there are some possessions where he, I thought he had a step driving driving left, and he tried to dish it to to Baycott, where you know he should have tried to finish it, or he did dish to Baycott, but Baycott wasn't yeah. ready. So I, I think we've been talking about roles, and I think people know their roles or have been able to start fitting in. Not that he doesn't know his role, but I still think, uh, you know, if he can get things clicking That's and comfort. Yeah, comfort and confidence. Because I, I think yeah. even that uh, the jump shot he missed, which was maybe about a 15-footer, it looked like he shot it on the way down. It was short. And you go back to um, That's um, not li- him. Li- live action. Mm-hmm. And sure, you don't expect him to be pulled up and just drilling threes all the time. But you could see the confidence and just the explosiveness he did get in those shots where he was confident versus yeah. probably second-guessing, hey, should I take it? And don't need him to hit threes that would be nice but if he could get comfortable with that 15 17 foot jumper off the dribble which i think he can that would that would open a lo- up a lot uh for him and and the team i'm gonna Here's- i'm gonna rub, i'm gonna rub along people a lot of people the wrong way with this coach speak and i'm looking at you Cheryl. if the game can slow down for him i think it's going to be i think it's going to be incredibly obvious when it does uh because that's when you're going to start seeing that comfort and, and dewey said something about this in the post game after the clemson game uh so i want to make sure he gets his flowers for it uh, if he could even be a little more aggressive in how quickly he makes his decisions, right? Because that's going to force the defense to be a little more honest, to be a little more um, in his hip as opposed to slacking off of him a little bit. And that's going to open up a lot more for these three-point shooters. And we were talking about getting, which was my answer to your question, Sean, is what's, what's keeping this team from that next step. It's it's team three-point shooting. And if you can get guys that half a second of a clearer release, if you can get guys that little bit more space which Elliot Cadeau can create once people start having to respect him as a scorer or another offensive weapon, then I think all of a sudden you're looking at a couple of found percentage points of, of this team's three-point shooting. And then, man, you know, Katie bar the door. Um, uh, one last thing. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, fair away, dude. I think – so two things. I, I think when we watch it, when, when teams are scouting for him, they know, hey, he's not going to kill you from the outside, but take away his – his driving or try to take away his driving ability, especially to the right side. And it's not a huge sample size, but he's averaging 1.5 points per possession driving right, which is an insanely high number because he's been able to one with that quickness, get that first step um, finish or, or get to the line. And we've been talking about big shots in Clemson, but to me, that was probably at least a top three, one of the biggest plays was in that second half when they were down 34, 38. And you felt like, Hey, if Clemson hits a three or Clemson gets up six, seven, like that could kind of change the tenor of the game. He was able to, to drive hard, right. Got fouled, actually hit both his free throws, uh, which is another thing. He, so that, that makes it 36, 38, 38, next possession, RJ Davis, three 39, 38. So I thought that was a huge, huge drive and it didn't let the momentum fully shift or the, the power um, go over to Clemson in, in that game. So I think if he can continue to, to be aggressive and, and take advantage of, of his strengths, I think he'll be, you know, to Shrell's point that, that missing piece to raise the ceiling. There's, there's two or three times a game where he just takes off and goes by the defender and you're like, what, what just happened? And before you even look or blink your eyes, he's at the rim and scored or, and gotten fouled. So I, I'm like, if I'm Hubert Davis, I'm like, Hey, be more like you said, Joey. Be more aggressive. Like it, it's very difficult for people to stay in front of you, even when they're sagging off. It's difficult, and if they sag off too much, then 
you know, he's, he's shown that he's adept at, I think I asked Adrian about these numbers, but I feel like he's pretty good when he makes up his mind for that, you know, 14 foot pull up. I feel like if he's decisive and, and just does it from muscle memory, it, it goes in a lot and the numbers could not back that up or they could, but that's what is in my mind. So if you're able to do that and then, you know, they have to, to get up on you a little bit, that opens up so much more, but even when they're backing off a step, I still want him to drive because he's such a good passer. Something I, I feel like something good will happen. So um, it's just, but it's just is a freshman. He's learning yeah. when to be aggressive, about, when not to be aggressive. I think about Geico, and when I think about that stupid lizard, I'm thinking about like the the championships when he's playing so well. It's he's not thinking. Like I want that natural ball disher, ball handler, you know, to the cup ball player that he is, and he'll get there. He'll get there. I just, you know, I'm like you guys. It's like once he does, look out. Uh, Sherelle, before we get out of here, and I've been I've been teasing this multiple times, let's talk a little recruiting. Um, there has, you know, we've seen some great write-ups from both you and Sean uh, and some analysis about what went on in the ho- various holiday tournaments that UNC targets are playing at. Um, but I'd love for you, if you could, break down who the staff has been watching over the last couple of days, last couple of weeks, and what that might mean for their priorities moving forward on the recruiting trail. So, uh, you know, really starting with City of Palms, uh, I think was right before our last podcast or was going on during our last last podcast. They saw uh, Caleb Wilson down in Atlanta before the Kentucky game. They saw uh, Koa Pete out in Arizona. They've seen James Brown multiple times. They've seen Ian. Uh, they've seen uh, Jasper Johnson, who is a 2025 guard teammate of uh, James Brown at Link Academy. They've seen Darren Peterson multiple times. Uh, so. You know, that's a, a few of the national names. And then, of course, at John Wall, they, they saw uh, Drake. They saw uh, Jackson Keith. They saw a couple of 2026 players like Cole Clover, who we talked about, Kendra Harrison, who we talked about. Um, so they've been out and about and, and seen a, a good number of guys. I think uh, Caleb Wilson, you know, since we last talked, has scheduled a visit to North Carolina, not the Georgia Tech game, North Carolina's game at Georgia Tech, but actually – to North Carolina, who'll be uh, in town for UNC's matchup against Duke. So I think that shows you the seriousness between Hebert Davis seeing him again and him scheduling a visit, kind of where they are. Uh, Sean May, as I said, went out to Arizona to see Koa P play. So keeping tabs on him, that says a lot. <clears throat> um, and then, of course, you know, Drake is, they've kind of been all over Drake. He's, he's everywhere. And then they saw Darren Peterson in both Kentucky and at, um, uh, the beach ball classic in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So uh, even though, you know, he's, his top eight uh, is out and it's got some heavy hitting Adidas schools on it and he's a Adidas athlete, um, North Carolina is still uh, kind of hanging in there with it for him. Are we fairly certain that they actually went to see, um, went to see the young man play as opposed to just going in there and going to uh, what t-shirt night at the Freaky Tiki? I've heard, <laughs> I've heard of people that do that. I, I don't know that place, They tore that place down, right? I'm, if they did, I'm sure they had to use a couple of hydrogen hydrogen bombs to get all of the uh, spring, the, spring. the the antibiotics and, and I'm sorry, and all the bacteria that was viral stuff that was growing in that, that establishment. Yeah. Spring right, break I'm, 2002. I've I have fully I have fully driven <laughs> this uh this bus into a bridge and bunkment. All right, guys. As always, I love what y'all do for the show. It's great to see you again. Um, I'm, I'm glad you guys are here. I uh, appreciate everybody who's listened to the show. If you have not, please subscribe, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on your favorite podcast feed. Um, just make sure you're subscribed to the show so you get all of these, not just us, but you know Tommy and the 
the band of merry men that come in and do the thousand shows he does a week. Um, it's all good contact, uh, good, good contact, good content. And if you don't like, you know, this show, then you'll find something from IC that you do like, and, and that's great. We want you to. Uh, but yeah, sure. Throw us a, a subscribe and then like, rate, and review us if you can. That all matters too because it helps us to, uh, you know, to to look good to all the advertisements. And I mean, you know, we try to put together some good content for you. We want to do things that you guys want to hear. We want you to be involved and want you to look forward to what we're doing. So uh, if you're not liking it, let us know. Let Ben know. Um, or just reach out to us. We'll, we'll try to do better. But we appreciate all of you who listen to us and make us a part of your routine. Uh, we hope that you'll listen to us next time. We'll be back next week, this very same time, these very same channels. I uh, appreciate John Siegley for producing. Shout out to Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran for being here. And for Sherelle for reminding me that we've got to do Your Two Cents presented by Congruity before we get out of here. Guys, it's the first first one of the season. I, I, I need to get back into game shape. That was my, that was my 12 o'clock noon start against a mid-major school that I have no business playing and that I look like dog crap for 75% of the game. That was that. Two cents provided by Congruity. Sean, uh, I need you, to, as I'm doing this read, to get together uh, your two pennies that you would like to throw out to our audience uh, because it's brought to you by Congruity, and our audience knows. And the folks who listen to me wrap the show, and they're like, you idiot, you better mention Congruity because we like them. We know that they're the best place to get help with our HR and, and business benefits needs. We knew that Congruity was going to come in here and hook us up with that free assessment if we go to Congruity HR forward slash Tar Heels. And Joey, you're just going to screw it up. But we need to hear about Congruity. So, Joey, we need you to tell us that Congruity is the best thing for your small or medium-sized business. Uh, a, a local brand, they've got national ability, but they're a local brand. These guys appreciate uh, what businesses in North Carolina can be. We appreciate them appreciating us. Uh, and want you to make sure you're doing the same thing. Congruity HR, we love them, despite the host's you know, absolutely absent-minded fumbling of that read. We appreciate Congruity sponsoring this. We want you guys to to show them some love, right? If nothing else, just to make them feel better for me almost forgetting to do it today. Sean, give me two cents before we get out of here. Two cents. Uh, first one, we talked about team roles, and I think Jalen Withers has been playing a lot better and, and fitting into what he, he can do and starting to... Um, create an identity, uh, especially from getting those offensive rebounds, uh, even some some tap outs, which uh, led to some extended possessions against against Clemson. Fine with him, uh, you know, taking an open open three pointer just to see how it is, probably avoid the uh, the in traffic dribble, you know, dribble pull up from the free throw line. But when he drives hard left, uh, he makes things happen, whether it's getting to the basket uh, or being able to kick out. Um, it's when he kind of extends where he gets in trouble. So I think he's been been playing well um second one had a few different ways to to go on this but um we'll go just from some of the play calling that you could see in the moment and and even when when re-watching uh offensively i think a few things that stood out in my mind early on was a baseline out of bounds play that they drew up got cormac a wide open three it didn't go in so um you kind of forget about it but i thought it was a you know great great play that they drew up uh you were able to see rj moving without the ball and it didn't um you know some from some back cuts that they didn't hit him with early on but when uh he got that easy layup going around the around the screen in the second half you know that that was a uh, came at a great a great time to get an easy basket so um you know i think those two are the the ones i'll i'll go with both with uh with withers playing better and and some of the offensive play calling that occurred against clemson 
Same to you, sir. I'm going to get your two pennies before we get out of here. Brought to you by Congruity HR, your business optimized. So uh, Drake Powell, obviously UNC's highest rated uh, signee in 2024, has a big game uh, this coming Saturday. Uh, Northwood hosts Myers Park, um, which if you don't know, Myers Park out of Charlotte is uh, the defending state champions. And this year's team could go down as one of the better in, in public school history in North Carolina. They're, they're that good so far. Um, so it's a huge challenge for Northwood. Hopefully, IC will have coverage because that's a big game. Um, some of the notables for Myers Park include Sadiq White, who was on the UNC radar in 2025, Bishop Boswell, um, who is going to uh, Tennessee uh, as Rick Barnes continues his assault on the, the Tar Heel State. And then uh, Sir Mohammed, I believe, is going to Notre Dame. So they have uh, three really high major players and other guys who will be as well. Um, excuse me, four high major players and other guys who will be as well. So something to watch for. And then two, really just, a, a, I guess, a shout out, for lack of a better phrase, to Seth Trimble, man. I, I know college basketball has changed. And um, what I'm about to say is not in any way meant to be negative to any people who have transferred or gone to other schools. But it is refreshing to see someone who, uh, you know, probably knew that he might not have a starting role um, the next season, come back, dedicate himself to improving the deficiencies in his game um, and using that improvement to create opportunities for himself. And then when he got those opportunities, seizing them. Um, so that, that, that's something that's fun to see. That's really what college basketball has been for a long time. I, I understand it's changed. So I, I, don't, I don't mean to sound like the old guy, but it's been fun to see. And uh, he's become a, a vital part of, of this year's team. I, I, like I said, I almost consider him, you know, kind of a six starter in, in some sense because he's really been valuable in hitting some timely shots and then, of, of course, playing, you know, good defense. And hey, so, shout out to such a. Yeah, man. Anybody listening to the show, obviously, you're a, a Carolina basketball fan. So I would say to you, since there have not been uh, a plethora of great moments and fun uh, around the program, at least by North Carolina basketball standards, Seth Trimble right now is fun. Like it, it, every time he's in, it's energy, uh, it's aggression. Um, and sometimes he hits just some absolutely unexpected shots that get you out of your seat. And so, uh, yeah, roll around in that. Get that Seth Trimble, uh, get that Seth Trimble vibe um, etched into a hat if you need to. Um, but appreciate your two cents there, Sherelle, as well as you, Sean. That again, our two cents brought to you by Congruity HR, your business optimized. Uh, folks at Congruity, please forgive me. Um, total brain fart on my end, but I promise I will, I will work on it. I will workshop it. Get better. And we'll get back to you. Um, thanks to everybody for being a part of the show. I uh, hope to see you next time here on the Coast to Coast Podcast on InsideCarolina.com. I'm Joey Powell. Late. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-average do of 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.